This episode of Sports Spectrum's Inside the Chapel podcast is presented by Compassion International. They are the most trusted child development ministry in the world, having served over 1.9 million children in sponsorships. You can check them out at Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. You can sponsor a child today, and this is bringing hope to a child in crisis, in poverty, and it's a gift that will last a lifetime. There are children on this page when you go, compassion.com slash sports spectrum, who've been waiting for a sponsorship from places like Peru, Bangladesh, Indonesia. They've been waiting for more than two years. It's $38 a month, tax deductible. Consider this. Consider sponsoring a child. Pray for this opportunity with you and your family, and you can make that difference in a child's life. Check out Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and sponsor a child today. Well, welcome, friends, to the Inside the Chapel podcast. My name is Iki Soma, chaplain for the Houston Rockets, and I'm here today with Reza Zadeh, chaplain for the Denver Broncos, and we have... I think Rez is our first like back-to-back guest. So Mike Rosas is also chaplain for the Rockets, and he is talking about from John 5, do you want to be well? So give this uh, chapel message a listen. This is Mike Rosas, honored again to be with Sports Spectrum. I want to talk to you about something that is near and dear to my heart, especially in 2022. Uh, this is a verse, again, we, we, I'm sure we've all heard at some point in time, but I hope to paint it in a different way, in a way to challenge, motivate, give you rest, exactly what you need in this season. Uh, 2022 came upon for myself, as I'm sure for many others, as this time of maximum motivation. COVID was finally finishing, and now we're going to have a chance to get back to normal, to begin to aspire again, to do greater things, and to accomplish that purpose and destiny God had placed inside of us. And so I had 2022 with a huge, huge circle around it, hearts, stars, exclamation marks, this was the year we begin to get back some of the momentum we've lost over the last two years. And uh, I don't know about yourself, but mine started radically different than what I imagined. As I came into 2022, I had all these goals. I had all these things I was going to accomplish. And the year has been very, very tough for myself, tougher than I would have imagined. And since so I'm getting into this, I'm just seeking God. I'm like, God, like, what are you thinking? All right, one of the things I always ask God in my prayer time is, what are you thinking? If I'm talking to the most brilliant being in the universe, I care much less about what I think and much more about what he thinks. So before I have a time of listening, I'll ask, what are you thinking? And uh, the Lord, several days later, brought me to this um, this passage of Scripture that I want to invite you to come with me to John chapter 5. And we'll start in verse 1. We're going to read a couple of verses, but it's going to be worth your time. John chapter 5, verse 1 says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which is in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? 
Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I am trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. As we know that the context and BTS um, about this story, we understand that in some way, form, or fashion, there was an angel that stirred the waters, and uh, people, the first person in there would get healed. And so as I was reading this, I'd read this, honestly, way over 100 times. Um, but this verse really struck me, and it was verse 5. And it said, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And to you, it might not mean anything, but for myself, I'm 38 years old. And since I was in this stuck place, I'm thinking to myself, God, that like this is me. I feel like the invalid. You know, I'm not necessarily blind, lame, or paralyzed, but I really can't see where I'm going. I feel like I don't have the power to accomplish what I'm called to do. And at this point, because of lack of resources and opportunity, I feel paralyzed in the moment. How do I move forward? How do I accomplish this, this great purpose you created me for? And then this question lands on me like a thousand pounds. Do you want to get well? So I thought to myself, for the invalid, that's an obvious question. Um, for myself, also an obvious question. Obviously, I want to be well, Lord. Like I think that goes without saying. And the Lord, so gently and patiently as he does, repeats it again. Do you want to be well? And I thought to myself, God, like, you know, like I'm, I'm tired of these circumstances. I want to fix them. And he said, yes, Mike, but do you want to be well? Not do you want another miracle? Do you want another breakthrough? Do you want something that supernaturally gives you the results that you're asking for? But do you want to be well? Do you want to position yourself in such a manner that you can consistently accomplish my purpose because you have taken away those things that affected you? Are you ready to be well? And God was speaking, obviously, perfectly to my circumstances because he knows what you, the listener, don't. That there were things that, that there were allowances that I had allowed to become practices. There were things that, that weren't necessarily sinful, but they were hindering. Things like not eating healthy, things that were affecting my energy, my strength, my focus, my stamina. He knew I, was, I wasn't doing things that I was supposed to be doing, even things like advertising with my ministry. Um, I'd been so consistent in doing ministry that I hadn't even advertised it. And so there were things that God put his finger on and said, look, Mike, I can give you a miracle and you can get to the place you want to be, but you won't be able to sustain it if you're not willing to get well. And then God identified these seven no-nonsense, simplistic things that I could do today. And he said, if you want to be well. And the, um, the, <laughs> the reality of the moment hit me. God, this has been in my hands. I have been disobedient. I have allowed the, the exhaustion of the season to catch up to me. And I have slid into this comatose state of just doing enough to get by without doing what I know I need to do to accomplish those things to which you've called me. And it was a gut check moment. And it's a, it's a moment that I think God is asking the church on a macro level and us as individuals on a micro level today, do you want to be well? Right, I'm not sure what COVID will look like in the next few months. I don't know the instability of the times and how that will play out. But God graciously and he gently asks you like he asked me, do you want to be well? 
And so I, I answered the Lord um, somewhat similar to the invalid. Uh, I, I had a bunch of excuses. I had a bunch of things that I thought were holding me back. Well, well, God, if this, but God, because of this, oh God, this. It was all these things that made good excuses, but bad obedience. And so God spoke to me. He said, Mike, do you want to be well? And I finally surrendered. <laughs> that was the only adequate answer for the moment. I surrendered. I looked deep into my heart and I said, God, I am not enough and I don't have enough, but I give you all that I have. Um, the beautiful part of the story, if you look at verse 7, it says, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And I believe in that moment, all we see is an excuse. But I believe in his heart, the invalid leaned towards obedience. He fell in the direction. He wasn't able to do it. But I feel like in his heart, this faith arose and said, God, I, I can't. Right? Like in, in my unbelief, right? I believe, but help me. And so what we see in verse 8 is that Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. It doesn't make sense. God said, do you want to be well? And he gave him the miracle that he was going after without even having been able to do anything that would help him get that miracle. And it's funny because in my own story, it played out kind of the same way. I sat down with the Lord in a time of extended prayer. I wrote out this list. And before having been able to accomplish any part of that list, I saw the breakthrough I'd been praying for. I did not take it as this, this sign that I could just continue in the uh, lackadaisical, unintentional walk that I'd been doing. But I took it as a moment of mercy, as this, this space of grace where God's saying, I see your heart and I'm going to love you. I'm going to be so good to you. I'm going to give you the momentum and the head start you need to get ahead. And I believe God is speaking to you in the same way. You don't have to wait for a miracle. You can become the miracle. God is opening us up and he's calling us to this place of greater things. And he's saying if we can be consistent, if we can do those things to get well, not, not perfect, but if we can do those things that he has called us to do, if we can rely upon his grace and our weakness is strength being made perfect, if we can do those things that have held us back in this space of immaturity and lack of discipline as he calls us higher to go to this place of maturity, God is saying, I will meet you where you are at. I don't need perfection. I don't need everything to be right. I don't need every box to be checked. I just need that sprout of faith in your heart to say, yes, Lord, I surrender. I agree with you. I don't have the strength to do it, but I agree with you. And whatever you say, the answer is yes. I believe God is bringing us, the church, into this place of maturity in Him, and it's by discipline. And I think a lot of us get this picture when we hear discipline, uh, almost like this four-letter word. Uh, we have this negative connotation, but honestly, when I envision discipline, uh, I envision Kobe Bryant. You know, Kobe Bryant, after he won his fourth title, he... Um, his teammates, they all went to some of the nicest islands the world has ever seen. Uh, but Kobe Bryant, on the other hand, he chose discipline. And what Kobe Bryant did was he booked a, a plane to come down to Houston, Texas. And for two weeks, he practiced with Hakeem Olajuwon on his post moves. And so what we see in short order is the very next year is that Kobe Bryant comes and wins his fifth championship.
And so when I hear discipline from God, I don't hear a God who's frowning on me, but I hear this God almost with with childlike giddiness saying, I want your purpose. I want your destiny for you more than you want it for yourself. But it's going to come over this bridge called discipline. And if you're willing to be consistent, not perfect, consistent, if you're willing to be consistent, if you're willing to give your best, I will meet you where you're at, and my grace will carry you to this place of fulfillment of what I've called you for. So my question for you, brothers and sisters, is do you want to be well? I, I know, I know, I know COVID has taken so much out of you. I know the situations of the last few years have taken the breath out of you. I know our current events have again left us in only weakness, but God calls us to be well because he sees inside of us the ability with his strength to overcome those things that are holding us back so we can be that light in the darkness this world needs, so we can be the salt this de- this world is so desperately looking like, that we can be the city that's set on a hill that the world to see, not a perfect people, but a broken people found made well in their Savior. So for my brothers at Sports Spectrum, this is Mike Rosas asking, do you want to be well? Wow, what a really challenging and relevant message, especially, again, where we are today in our world. Um, Reza, here's a, here's a thought on this and a question. So many years ago, like you, I was talking to a young man who felt called the ministry, and I asked him, so what are you going to do if you feel like God's called you to ministry? And he said, I'm just trusting the Lord. And I'm like, uh, okay, so I'm asking, what are you going to do? I know you want to trust God, obviously. And the fact that faith in God or trusting God is always demonstrated by works and, and obedience. And that's what Mike was talking about. So here's my question to you, Reza, as you work with athletes and coaches, yeah. and they say the exact same thing. I feel like God is telling me to do this, work on my marriage or even grow my faith or go to missions for a short term or whatever it is. How do you have athletes, again, what he calls, Mike calls lean towards obedience when they want to pick up their mat and walk, if they really believe God is saying, do you want to be well? Do you want to grow? Do you want to move on to the next level of maturity? How do you encourage that? What do you do? Yeah, I think one of the first things uh, is helping people understand, helping athletes understand specifically um, that the Lord literally looks at somebody's heart, uh, not necessarily their their outward appearance obviously that's the passage that we come to when we study david you know the old testament king of israel um that man looks at the outward appearance god looks at the heart and then there's this really interesting interaction that jesus has um with people and the pharisees are asking me how come your disciples aren't washing their hands the way that they're supposed to wash their hands and jesus goes back and he quotes the prophet when he says you know basically you 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 honor me with your lips but your hearts are far away from me so i think one of the first things is helping athletes understand what does it truly mean to put your trust in jesus what does it mean to believe and believing in jesus and acknowledging jesus are two completely different things um jesus says you know in john chapter 6 that the work of the work of the gospel is this that you would believe in the one who he, who God has sent. And so even looking at that idea of believe is what does it mean for people to put their full trust in Jesus rather than just acknowledge. And I think, and and, and until we get beyond just acknowledging Jesus, I don't think we're going to put ourselves in a place where our our actions are going to be changed. Does that make sense, man? Like that's, that's the way that I would see it is helping people see what it means to truly put their full trust in Jesus rather than just lean on him. 
That's a great, yeah, that's great. I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, there's an illustration I've heard, and you've probably heard it before as well, the story about how there's a certain tribe that didn't have a word for faith or trust. And so these missionaries pointed to somebody who's hanging in a hammock between two trees, and they said, what is that guy doing? And they say, he's putting his full weight into that yeah. hammock. And then they said, that's what you have to do with Jesus. You got to put your full weight, like your whole heart has to be given to him. Absolutely. You know, Icky, I've heard something similar. I never heard that one, but I've, I've also heard it like a chair. And I would even say, even as you and I are recording this podcast, we're both sitting in a chair right here. And as we're sitting in this chair, um, our feet are still on the ground. So even as I'm sitting in a chair, I'm not fully trusting this chair until I take my feet off the ground. When I take my feet off the ground, that's when I'm fully trusting in the chair. But I think a lot of us don't have that kind of a posture with Jesus because whether we don't trust him or don't know how that looks, you know, for whatever reason. But again, I think that was one of the things that Mike drew out was this idea of obedience comes after you believe. And that's why Jesus asked that question, you know, hey, do you want to get well? Do you believe? And do you actually want to pick up your mat and walk? So let's take it into the listener's driveway. So we've got listeners who are athletes and high school, college athletes and pro athletes and coaches. Let's put it in just the, 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 the person who's a, not the athlete, the guy who's a mm -hmm. postal worker, the one who's a lawyer, who's a doctor, teacher. Let's pull up in the driveway. What does it look like for us to pick up our mat and walk? So again, whether, whatever, whatever God's calling us to, whether it's into maturity or serving him or whatever, what does that look like day to day, pulling up in your driveway or our listeners driveway? Yeah, I think, man, I think, well, first of all, for me, I think that it just, it literally looks, um, first of all, I think there's an acknowledgement piece. It's putting yourself in a place where you, where you are, are, are trusting and knowing that, um, it is Jesus that fully sustains you. It is Jesus that fully sustains us. And so I think, first of all, we, we put ourselves in a place where we trust. And then, you know, we, we put one foot in front of the other. And I think one of the things that prevents us from actually picking up our mat or doing what God calls us to do is, I don't know about you, Icky, I want to know steps four, five, six, and seven. And after I consider steps four, five, six, and seven, maybe I'll take step number one. And I don't think it works that way with Jesus. Jesus just tells us take one step and then take another step and then take another step. But in the way that I think, I want everything planned out and I want to see it. And so there is this step of, all right, Lord, I don't know where this is going to go, but I, there's the next best step for me to take. And I take it. Well, here's the last question for us just to discuss is, and I love the, the story because obviously I love basketball as champ for the Rockets. Yeah. You love it as well. He talked about this again, pick up your mat and walk. The faith is demonstrated by our work and the surrender that we have. And he says, now we don't like this word, but the word is discipline. And he tells mm -hmm. a story about how Kobe won his fourth championship, comes down to Houston to train with Akeem Olajuwon to work on his post moves. And then the next season he wins his fifth championship because he had this discipline. So yep. here's the thing I know working with athletes. I mean, that athletes naturally understand discipline, like delayed gratification, practices of hard work. Uh, healthy habits so that you can be rewarded yeah. later on. So the question is this, Reza, uh, again, whether athletes or just the postal carrier, the mail carrier, or the lawyer, or the teacher, or the homemaker who's listening, what are some practical disciplines that would allow us to demonstrate our faith or the fact that we've surrendered our hearts to him? So what are some practical disciplines that you've Im implemented in your life or that you encourage the athletes and coaches that you work with to implement as a demonstration of I'm trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, that's a great question. I would say one of the lost arts that I think there is in our in our faith is just the art of listening. Um, it's not necessarily, sometimes I always thought like my time with the Lord had to be open up a Bible. I have to have a devotional. I have to have a journal. I have to like do this work. And my discipline with God had to be like hard work. But I'm finding actually one of the greatest disciplines that we could learn is is really the skill and the art of listening and hearing God, and 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 not hearing God as in an audible voice. Um, I've never heard God as an audible voice, but just putting myself in a place of quiet where I actually allow Him to to just impress things upon me, to remind me of things, to to just sit in silence. And so I think for me that has been a big part of my engagement. And this is what I encourage others is simply when you're driving in the car. I mean, Caleb is awesome. You know, the message is great. Christian music is wonderful. What would it look like to just turn the, turn the radio off? And that might mean turning off our podcast right now, you know, and, and just turning and just sitting inside and driving in silence and try that for a week and just see. So I don't know, Yuki, I think for me, like just encouraging people to be silent because we're so noisy everywhere and we're constantly bombarded by noise. Um, how about you, Icky? What's a way that you, what's one practice that you lead people into or, or encourage people to engage in as they, as they pick up their mat and they walk? Yeah, for me, uh, I always categorize spiritual disciplines in two ways. There's the disciplines of engagement and disciplines of disengagement. So disciplines of engagement are like prayer, Bible study, mm-hmm. scripture, memory, Disengagement are like listening, solitude, fasting, remove. So for me, the one I have found super beneficial lately in this season of my life is scripture memory. So I've got a um, chaplain for the Spurs, a good friend of mine. He's been on the podcast before, Sam Johnson. He and I are trying to memorize Romans chapter eight. And so I think I'm at like verse 23 or 24 now. And I just find that that ability to hide God, God's word in my heart so that even if I may not, may not have my Bible in front of me, I may be on a bike ride or I may be out and about running or with my kids or whatever. And I, that word comes back to my mind in a particular situation or, as you know, as a preacher, like when I'm preaching, yeah. as well, I would say for me, scripture memory is a lost discipline that we just don't do mm. that generations ago we should really practice. So for me, I would encourage our listeners, perhaps you find a scripture section of, of the Bible and you commit to memorizing that by reading it over and over and over again, meditating on it, dwelling on it, and uh, hiding the word in your heart. Yeah, that's really good. I think that's that's pretty, that's pretty, that's big. That's a good, good discipline. Well, Icky, I think that this this passage is definitely one that is is foundational as one of these miracles that Jesus performed. And I think just the question is a good question for us when Jesus said, do you want to get well? And I think for us, I think we would all raise our hands and say, yep, Lord, I want to get well. I want to get well. I want to get well. But yet, are we going to put ourselves in a place where the healing of Jesus can actually touch us? I think that's a good word to close on here. So thanks again so much, Icky. Thanks. I love doing this podcast with you. Listeners, thank you for being a part of our community of Inside the Chapel. Um, listening to chapel talks from all these uh, men and women that serve faithfully, that serve athletes. We sure appreciate you subscribing, following us, sharing this, talking about this online. This gives us an opportunity to let more people inside the chapel so they hear more about what God is doing in the world and through the world of sport. Till next time, my name is Reza with my brother Icky, and we'll catch you all next time. Bye-bye.